right? Like the thing is like when you don't know you're going to see your kids the next day, <clears throat> you know, you don't know like what's going to happen. Like you just cherish every moment that you see them. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. rajim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahmanir Rahim, Malik Yomadeen, Iyakinabadu wa Iyakinastain, Ihtina Sarata Mustaqim, Sinrata Adina Anta Alayhim Ghayrimadubi Alayhim Waladdaleen. Amin. So I'm going to translate that Arabic into uh, English, so everybody knows what I just said. Um, yes. And wait, what's the name of that prayer? So I was just going to get into that. So in the Quran, as a Muslim, we, we pray five times a day, and we, we um, and part of that prayer is that we recite what I just recited at the beginning. And so it's called al fatiha which means the opening. And so, um, so now I'll translate what I just said. Um, okay. In the name of God, the most gracious, most merciful. Uh, praise be to God, cherisher and sustainer of the worlds. Most gracious, most merciful, owner of the day of judgment. Thee do we worship and thee do we seek guidance. Show us the straight way, the way of those you have bestowed your blessing and not those who have invoked your wrath nor those who've gone astray. Listeners, uh, I have my first Muslim. I'm really excited. Mike knows that I totally geeked out about this. Mike is, well, I, I, I'm going to say he's a husband. He's a father. He's a Muslim convert. He is a software engineer. He's going to talk about his conversion to Muslim. Did I say that right? Conversion to Muslim or do you say conversion to Islam? I'd say like a Muslim convert Muslim would convert. probably be more of a traditional Accurate. way to say it. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to ask you all the ignorant questions today, but you, you already know this. And uh, Mike has also been married three times, and he will say that his third time is, go- is, is going pretty well. It's the most successful. Yes, Mike? That is, that is definitely <laughs> the case. Yes. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. I've been literally so excited for this episode and last week i uh moderated a uh women's panel and one of the women on there she is muslim and mm-hmm. she volunteers for care cares or care? oh yeah yeah of course yeah c-a-i-r yes yeah. which yeah. is like council of american islamic relations yes yeah like uh, equivalent of NAACP. yes Mm, she said that no. maybe honestly like I, i'd say that's a fair fair analogy i'd say that's a fair analogy so let's get into it i'm super pumped today first of all you've had a really successful career in software development software engineering yes i mean you've worked at apple you said that you're currently can we say what you're currently working on or can we not say what you're currently working on yeah so i'm at a uh a relatively young company is about two years old called class technologies. And it's essentially kind of like zoom and, uh, education software merged together. So it's <clears throat> video conferencing married with like teacher tools. So you can do like syllabuses and quizzes and proctoring and things like that with a great user experience. Okay. And Get us into your conversion story. It's fascinating. Sure. Sure. So, gosh, where to start? So, uh, to give some context, I was raised in Chicago, suburb of Chicago, raised in Christian family, just very typical upper middle class, uh, went to church every Sunday, more for, I would say, 
social reasons than religious reasons, but certainly religious reasons were part of it. Mm -hmm. Certainly the case. And when I was, when I was in high school, I had a friend who was uh, Muslim and one time I remember coming home and my dad asked, I was telling him about, oh, I made, right, I met so-and-so, I'm going to go to so-and-so's after school to play. And he's like, and I told him what his name was and he's like, uh, where's he from? And I said, Egypt. And he said, what religion is he? And I said, I have no idea. And so I asked him and he tentatively, and I remember very vividly, he's, he was very tentative about telling me his religion. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was strange that he was tentative. Anyway, he told me that he was Muslim. So then we had many conversations throughout high school about Islam. And I would talk about Christianity and kind of on this, what makes more sense. And so what I got out of that was that Islam was kind of a normal religion. Like it wasn't a foreign entity. Yeah. And yeah. so I was, Right. So fast forward college, typical, right. Went to a big 10 university, university of Iowa was in a fraternity. So very kind of block and tap, uh, block and tackle, very typical experience with that graduated, um, got a job in my career, uh, in software engineering. And then, and I was successful with it. And, mm -hmm. and I was wherever I worked, I was always considered kind of like the golden child, if you will. Yeah. And, and it really meant a lot to me. Like, and then what happened was I remember I got in charge of this big team. Like I was, I don't know, 23 maybe. And I was in charge of like oh my gosh. a 30 person team. And I had no idea what I was of, doing. And it was like a software engineers too. Of software engineers. And it was at a, and it was at a significantly, uh, it was a significant responsibility. It was in, in the financial space the financial industry and so there was this global trading system and i had some success on a previous project and there's projects in trouble so they asked me to, to lead it and i really had no idea about leadership and i had never had a, anybody direct report i never really had much significant leadership skills mm -hmm. experience and so in terms of uh leading a team and it was, it was a train wreck. It was a total disaster. <laughs> and I was like thinking just like, and when I say that, when I look back, I was like, I mean, I like, it was almost depressed. It was like almost depressive for me, like a state of depression mm. because I put so much value into that. And I remember specifically hearing uh, during this time of struggle, I specifically remember I was just like watching TV and they were interviewing this actress and she said, you know, whatever brings you up can bring you down. Oh, yeah. And that really resonated with me in yeah. that, you know, if I like my career bring me up, it's going to bring me down. And so what, like, I can't, I don't want something or someone to have that power over me. Like there's something more noble, a higher calling than that. So, so I was like, well, that's, you know, the highest level you can get to is having a, a relationship with God. And so I decided to study different faiths and including Islam and figure out what made the most sense. I did just, I didn't want to just follow the footsteps of what my parents did. I wanted to have like a conviction about what I really believed. Mm -hmm. So given that, like I made this dedication that I really wanted to get close to God and have a, a, a integrity with that relationship. So, uh, so I, 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 I hung in there, but I like, I quit my job and I went to another job and it was really problematic. <laughs> and so it, it just happened to be, it was, just, it was very similar. Like I wasn't having the same level of success and okay. therefore praise and external validation. And I moved to Washington, DC and my friend yeah. in high school happened to live in Washington, DC. Wait, and wait, wait, I wait. Said, the one, the one that you were talking about who was from Egypt and who was Muslim? Exactly. Exactly. And so I told him that I, I want to like, I'm, I want to study and I'd like to read a Quran. And so he gave me a copy of his Quran, which is the script, kind of like the Bible for, for sure. Muslims. Yeah. And so I studied for about um, five, six months 
and before kind of making a decision that I wanted to become Muslim. And uh, I like I studied and I studied and I studied and I studied and put a lot of thought. I talked to Christians and pastors and priests and really Christian scholars. And uh, I like it just became very clear to me that Islam was made the most sense for me. Okay. Wait, I want you to pause. Why did it make the most sense for you? And did you That's have a great to question. grapple with like Jesus and not Jesus? Or was that right, not a so, big thing? Yeah. So, all right. So let me take a step back. Cause I think I'm making some assumptions about knowledge of Islam here. So like, so I'm going to give, all right, you're, there coming, are, you can, you're talking to somebody that's got none, my friend. Okay. So <laughs> like you could study religious studies and traditions for years. So I'm going to cut it down to 60 seconds. Okay. Do it. So, wow. so here's the executive summary of what you need to know about Islam versus Judaism and Christianity. Okay. Uh, it's it's pretty much they're all considered the Abrahamic face, right? So okay. they all believe in Abraham. They we all believe in Moses. We all believe in David, Solomon. Okay. Um, so, right. So Jews don't believe that Jesus was a prophet. Right. Right. Okay. On. Yep. Right. I'm okay. following that. I know that. Okay. So Muslims believe that there was a prophet Muhammad who came around uh, yep, six hundred and thirty A.D. and so. Christians don't believe in the prophet Muhammad, where Muslims believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the had there was the virgin birth of Mary. Uh, so, like we believe, like Jesus received the Gospels as revelation. So, really, the main difference between Christianity and Islam is that uh, we, as Muslims, similar to Jews, believe that the unity of one God. Versus Christians, which believe in the Trinity of one God. Okay. Wait, can I so ask you, we, sorry, I, I was, I was really, I was listening, but I think I missed this. Wait, do Muslims believe that Jesus was the Messiah and came or no, like Jews, they don't believe he was the Messiah and came? No, we believe he was the Messiah. We also believed in the second coming of Jesus. Okay. And is that okay? Has he come yet? He has not come yet. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then Muhammad, we'll, we'll, we'll have a good, I think we'll have a good, a good idea when he does come. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Clearly not yet. Uh, okay. So similar. Okay. But then let's talk about Muhammad, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. he's a prophet. Yes. And you said mm-hmm. he was 630 mm-hmm. something AD. Mm-hmm. AD. So Correct. after yep. Jesus. Okay. Correct. Mm-hmm. And what did he say? So essentially what he said that he was confirming all the revelations before him, essentially the gospels and the Torah um, and others. And that well, essentially that, all right, I'm going to use my, I'm going to just use my um, uh, casual tone here. Right. So yeah, kind of set the record straight. Right. So okay. instead of the idea is that Christians Missed the mark, if you will, in terms of believing that Jesus was someone that you should worship. Muhammad's teaching is that you should not worship Jesus, but that Jesus was a man and a prophet, and a prophet being someone who had revelation and told people that they should worship God. And Got so, it. so Muhammad, his his teaching was the unity of one God, just like the Jew Judaism teaches, um, and that, but also believing that. Uh, Jesus was the Messiah. Got it. Okay, cool. I want to go back to something because this is a theme that I see in really resilient people is this concept of, you, you said, whatever brings you up, brings you down. And that when you had something higher than yourself to rely on, I know that's what you're getting to in your story, brought about more gifts than when you don't. Yes? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I can't tell you how many guests have said either, you know, some, they believe in something higher themselves. It could be faith or it could be community or purpose, but they all believe in something bigger than themselves. And I'm just curious, 
as to why you think, why, why did you need that to, to be more resilient, to be, to, to fail forward? Well, frankly, I never thought about it in that, in that manner. I didn't feel like it was something I needed to, well, originally I was concerned more about just my emotional health <laughs> and that I want, and yeah. having yeah. spiritual integrity would help with that. And then it kind of involved like, we're all going to die. And frankly, just to prepare for the hereafter. And so that's really where my even drive to this day comes from. And one of the things that I adore about Islam is that I'm a very logical person, software engineer, sure, having done. Uh, and so it really pushes my intellect forward. And I really enjoy that. Wait, what do you mean by that? By pushing my intellect forward. Mm -hmm. So, so well, I got a lot of great experiences going to like Christian summer camp and going to church and being part of the, the, the community, the Christian community. And um, I got a lot out of it socially. Intellectually, I struggled with, I, I struggled with certain concepts. So for example, yeah. I remember going to church when I was a kid and we would take a quiz in Sunday school and they said, is Jesus a hundred percent male or a hundred percent human, a hundred percent God or a hundred percent God and a hundred percent human. It's or 50% God and 50% uh, human. And so I remember I put, I put a hundred percent God and a hundred percent human because to me that did not make any sense. And that was, was probably going to be the right answer. And so that turned out to be the right answer. <laughs> and so like, I, I, I just like, it just didn't, I just had trouble getting my intellect around that. Yeah. Um, and when I've talked to Christians about that, the, generally the response is, well, religious religion and God is the unseen and you have to have faith. And just because it doesn't make sense, you have to have faith. To me, I don't buy that. Like if I, I don't buy that. Like you have to, like, just like in a relationship, when you, when you get to know someone, you get to love them more. If you don't know them, you're not going to love them. And I feel that having knowing and having a conviction about it is very compelling. And so when I, so for going back to your original question about how does it push my intellect forward? So Islam, even though it's not considered like a new faith, like it's just building on the traditions of Judaism and Christianity. Yeah. It's been around, right? Since 680, 680-ish. And right. so essentially every problem has already been studied and thought about. And so whether it's divorce or whether it's, you know, you've been doing like certain kind of sins and how to repent or whatever it is, there's very open conversations about how to deal with these situations. And so I find it interesting how people have thought about these situations and how then I can apply that to myself. Were there, uh, when you were doing this research and study, mm -hmm. was there a time where you were at a crossroads where you were like, it could be this religion or this religion, or did you just naturally get drawn to Islam because you had already had that history and knowledge with Christianity? Yeah, I, I'd, honestly, I, um, I learned more about Christianity in that, let's say, five month period than I did in my first 15 years of life. Yeah. And I was going to say, I bet you learned a ton. A ton. I, there's so much, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I honestly, Sarah, I was shocked. Like I had talked to, like, it's a big deal. Like, like at that time I was like 25 and I, right. I'm like, right. It's a big deal. And yeah. so I talked yeah. to, you know, especially you know, I knew there would be a problem like with my family and with friends, like going kind of that fraternity stereotypical lifestyle to yeah. being a practicing Muslim is significant. And so 
whenever you go against the grain, you have to have a lot of intellect and knowledge, right? You have to put a lot of thought and knowledge behind it. And so And to your point, that. conviction. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and really like even to take that step further, like and honestly, love, like having like this journey with God is really a journey about like finding your Lord and finding out about like when you find out about yourself, you find about about um you, you know, you look at you look inward about the qualities of you when it comes to like mercy and forgiveness and compassion mm-hmm. and and even retribution and right your punishment like just like you, you've got kids and like they do something wrong and invariably and so as a parent like how do you handle that you can't just be like the flower and just forgiven at every mm-hmm. turn they would be irresponsible and so how to apply that and learning like you know given this you know, part of the islamic tradition is we believe the quran unlike other scriptures previously is a hundred percent pristine intact from its revelation and so this this scripture this kind of lessons to be learned uh it's right you get to you get to know god and anyway that i find that very compelling i find that very satisfying i find that having uh a, uh, a foundation of integrity that no matter what happens can weather the storm. Mike, you so, know, what's interesting is that I mentioned to you that, you know, last week I interviewed this panel and there was a woman, woman who was Muslim on it. And like you, her heart was so kind and full of love. And I find it uh, sad that that's the exact opposite of what gets portrayed in the news and on movies and all those stereotypes against Mm. Muslims. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. really like literally her, her whole spirit was like pure kindness. And I said to her, and I'm going to ask you this question too. And listeners, I wish you could see Mike's face because he was just smiling, such a kind smile there. I, I, how do you not get pissed off? and jaded when your people are being misrepresented. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 know, frank, I, and frankly, like people can be really mean and yeah. unkind. Yeah. You know, truthfully, like it did bother me like original, originally, um, you know, so I converted in 96 so that was pre pre nine eleven pre nine eleven. So, but I'll tell you a story. So, I when I became Muslim, uh, I was talking to my mom, and my mom, very spiritual woman, and when I told her, she was like, the first thing she said. So this was right ninety six. So this was soon after the Oklahoma City bombing. I don't know if you remember that, but there was a federal building where that got blown up. The first thing my mom said, so this is 1996, well before uh, 9-11. She said, you're not going to like go blow up a building now, are you? Right. So those are the first words out of her mouth. Yeah. And that was just kind of the, right, the stereotype of the day. And I remember even my friend uh, in high school he was telling me that there was during the Iran crisis in the 1970s that there was yeah. a survey done, and it said that Islam was by the American people was was less favorable than satanic worship. <laughs> no <laughs> and, way! No way! Yeah, yeah. And so you know, it's much different now than it was then too. And there's better a better or of, worse. Oh, for, I would say definitely better. After yeah, after. Uh, September 11th, right? It was very traumatic on the community. And one of the things I found just really fascinating was that the most, the highest uh, selling book on Amazon at the time was the Quran as people were trying to figure out what the heck this religion is. Yeah, it was, that was fascinating. And I like, 
like, uh, see, how do I say this, Sarah? In th- like in this world, it's not meant to be all fun and games. Like, yeah, pe- you can be the most pristine, uh, highest integrity, and people will say smack because it's a reflection of them, not not me or what I believe in. I certainly have. Uh, especially like in today, frankly, like in today's culture where there is yeah. this, like, there's a lot of like identity politics and some people identify them by their, their race or their gender or their sexual orientation or their politics um, now or their politics, right, wrong, or different. I don't, I, I, I identify as Muslim and I also identify as American and, but and I've always kind of, well, once I became Muslim, I identified as Muslim, but I've never really identified any other way. Yeah. And so it's never been meaningful if somebody says something negative about something else. So that's how I've interpreted But there has been a lot of backlash against Muslims and, and not just even backlash, but um, military force. <laughs> yeah, 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 over the, like, right. and, uh, so for me personally, it doesn't bother me because like this world is, you know, as part of our religious teachings and, and most religions teach this, it's like this world is, everyone's going to die. It's all temporary. Like what, honestly, what you and I, what you and I do in hundred years, no one's going to remember. <laughs> right. And so like, you know, like you just have to take, you just have to take the high road um, yeah. for your emotional well being And now there are times where it's appropriate to get angry, and there's certainly times to. Uh, I don't want to use the term "react," but certainly to take a stand. To have a voice, yes. To, to have a voice and take a stand, which is what care does. Yeah, and and that is that's, that's very important. And but you have to do that in a, in a grounded way. But but like. Honestly, I take it as a badge of honor that people yeah. say something negative about Islam because, like, it's, at least Islam is taking a stand for something. The only people that don't get have anything that's bad said against them is that people don't take a stand for something. And so, right. uh, uh, so, Mike, like uh, will you talk about two things? Because um, I really have like my simple questions that I know people listening will have these questions too. How many, you said you pray how many times a day? Five times a day. And Five before times. I get, I just want to say on the, the story of my mom, she, she became Muslim oh, yeah. about a year and a half after I did. So anyway, there's, there I know. Was, there's hope. You, you, to, <laughs> you told me that on the phone and I loved that. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So did, does she wear the, the you know. The, the, right. So it's called the head covering is called a hijab. Hijab. Um, does she wear a hijab? Yeah. So my mom passed away. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Over 15 years ago. So um, by the time that she accepted Islam and passed away, it was only like maybe, gosh, three four years. And so she passed away. It was about she had been Muslim for about maybe three or four years, and so she would wear the the head covering, the hijab. There was times that she wore it, and the times that she would not. You know, when she accepted Islam, like, you know, may God bless her soul, like. You know, she was in her fifties, and she, she, my parents were divorced, so, and she had remarried. And so, like, to be in your fifties and married, and like to, to change your religions, like that takes a lot of courage. So, um, you know, she's it she does. was a she take uh, yeah, she was a great woman with a great spirit, with a high level of spirituality, and you know, also becoming Muslim is not unlike which I originally thought like it would be yeah. kind of like becoming a Baptist or something like there are significant non-spiritual transitions involved with becoming Muslim from like a background like myself. So for example, yeah, explain that. Yeah. So for example, uh, most Muslims here in the United States are, are immigrants or second generation. And so there's just certain cultural differences, right? Just from something very basic. Like I remember somebody when I first was Muslim asked me to have lunch with them and they were like eating rice with their hands. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, 
do, can you get the man a fork? Like, <laughs> and, uh, so like, that's, uh, it was just something so foreign to me. I didn't know. And there was other things that, and also we were talking a little bit earlier about like politics and political identity. There's, you know, Muslims have, especially back then in the nineties had, um, many Muslims had this, like a negative view of American foreign policy in Muslim countries. And I was kind of raised as a Reaganite and like, yes, sir. And God bless America. And, and very patriotic. And so yeah. that was a level of transition to understand what all that meant. Not like it took a while just to interpret, oh, they disagree with American foreign policy on these specific issues and not, oh, they hate American what? Death to America. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like that as, an, as an another example. Over the years, I've coached executives and young professionals looking to embrace their strengths, level up their leadership, and find their dream careers. Just like my podcast guests, my clients have been stuck, but I've helped them navigate whatever challenge they're facing and find a way forward. That's the goal of our 10-week coaching program, Move Forward, through my guests' best practices, our coaching tools, my team and I will help you discover your primary motivations and challenge the unhealthy and limiting beliefs that are holding you back. You'll use neuroscience to create new healthy habits and create a move forward plan for your future. If you're interested, you can visit failforwardpod.com backslash coaching to learn more and to sign up for a one hour exploratory coaching session. That's failforwardpod.com backslash coaching. Okay, so I asked the simple question about the head covering. I wanted to make sure I asked that. You pray five times a day. Five times a day. And what are the other things like um, that are pretty common traditions? So there's like five pillars of faith. So there's one, what's called the Shahada. So that, that is Arabic for like testimony or bearing witness. So you would say, I won't repeat the Arabic, but in the English, it's, um, I bear witness that Muhammad is the, I, uh, I believe that, uh, there is no God with a little G except God with a big G, right? So I believe that there's no God, but God, and that Muhammad is the messenger of God. So if you say that, you say that in public, you're Muslim. And so there's the Shahada, then there's, uh, what's called Salah or the prayer, the praying five times a day. So there's a, there's a morning prayer, which is between dawn and, and sunrise, a noon prayer, afternoon prayer, sunset prayer, and then an evening prayer. Okay. And it usually takes like five, 10 minutes per. And then, um, right, and then Sakai giving charity. So I'm going to mm-hmm. give the kind of the layman's description here. It's, you, it's kind of like capital's like- gains tax of two and a half percent. So whatever so you made over the last it's year. It's tithing. It's tithing. It's but significantly less money than tithing. Okay. Yes. Well, if but people like, follow uh, the tithing percentage. Yes, because that's I mean, one tenth of, of your income. And this is this is right. essentially two and a half percent of your profit. So oh, like okay. that. All right. And then uh, and then there is uh, Ramadan, right? So there's fasting. Yes. So there's 30 days of, of fasting. So you, you don't eat or drink or have sexual relations between dawn and sunset. So depending on where you live and, and it's based on a lunar year. So it gets 10 days earlier on the, uh, our calendar year. So, uh, like the summers are obviously the days are much longer than in the winter days. So okay. where I've lived Virginia and California, the fasting days can range from something like 11 to 17 hours, something like that a day. And oh then, my gosh. So Ramadan is like 30 days of that, but Ramadan's really not meant like the goal of Ramadan isn't yeah. about fasting. It's really meant, it's really, I call it spiritual boot camp. It's really meant to get to be like a spiritual reset. Like yeah. it's re- the, like in the Quran, it talks about like the goal of Ramadan is that you increase what's called taqwa, your God consciousness, like to raise your spiritual level in your, um, 
like uh, raise your your faith in like that like uh, your spiritual awareness like almost like like whenever you're present you 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 could see or feel that God is with you so that's mm. the goal like when you look at our prophets whether they're, they're Moses like Moses for example he fasted for thirty days and then God said go go fast for another ten days he came back and then he receive the 10 commandments right so there did was, he really fast for like t- not eat for 10 days or do you, or 30 days or do you think it was like the sundown to sunset i i mean it would have to or, sun, you know it would be mean, like sunrise, dawn, dawn to sunset dawn yeah to, I, it's not I mean. like 24 7 i mean there's like, no way just, he could do 24 7 right so it would have to be yeah, similar yeah, yeah. to that but the re- and yeah. and I think that like a lot of religions do that, and a lot of mystics yep. I feel like do that, right? To get that closer, yep. to get closer to God. Yep. So for listeners, and even in the Quran, like that. that's what it says in the Quran. It says that that like this has been prescribed to people before you, and we're prescribing it to you so that you may increase your God consciousness. Yes. But why? Why does that help you get closer to God? So what I was going to say is like the example of like Moses and like there's examples of like Jesus, like of fasting. It's the idea of that. Like there's this, this is how, this is my reflection of like this sure. cleansing your soul, like abstaining from even what is allowed, like abstaining to that. You're not kind of giving into your um, desires to purify your soul that you can then, like, like the prophets received revelation. Never, I heard a scholar say one time, never has a prophet or a messenger ever received revelation on a full stomach. And so the idea is to, um, yeah, to cleanse you physically and spiritually. I think that there's a connection here of the, I mean, I know that the fasting thing is a literal thing, right? And go with me on this for a second because it's just a brain idea that I have. I think there is something around that fasting piece, maybe like deprivation or, um, and I think that, you know, you often hear really resilient people say that failures or obstacles or pain that they had make, made them even an even better human being, you know, like the coal with that pressure becomes a diamond. And I feel like there's something too with that. I, I, I fully agree with that. Like only kind of with the war wounds and in the wisdom that comes with the war wounds of life, have I recognized that those trials and tribulations were really gifts that made me the man today. I could not say 20 years ago, I like the man that I, saw when I looked in the mirror. I can say genuinely today, I like who I am as the person that I am today. And I don't think without those gifts of like, whether, you know, those trials and how I became Muslim or whether it was my two divorces and third marriage and other trials and tribulations that were very significant to me, would I be who I am today? I also know that you told me you were a single father for a long time, and that was probably not the easiest of paths either. What yeah. gift, what, what did that give you? What was your learning there? Um, I'm just taking a deep breath. Cause like, I feel myself getting a little emotional just thinking about like all that went on there. Like, there is so much there I could talk and I know I, I I'm trying to figure out how I do the precise, concise version of that. Um, you know, hold on. I just got to take a, take a, a break here for a sec. Sure. <clears throat> so it doesn't have to be precise and concise either. You can just okay. see what you feel and think. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, just kind of speaking from the heart um, and being very uh, transparent. Divorce sucks. No one wins in a divorce. No one wins, especially no one wins in divorce when you have children. 
and there can be good that comes out of it. And I don't mean kind of in a failing forward way, but in a very tangible, I see the light way. <laughs> and what I learned was to be very transparent, and this may even come across as controversial, but where I got divorced was in Virginia, which is the most, it's divorce is a, it's a zero sum game yeah. with, with children and with money. And so yep. Virginia is the, the most pro mother state in the United States. So with, so another way of saying that is the most anti-father um, state in the United States. So for example, um, just your typical block and tackle regular deal is um, right. Mom gets between spousal support, child support, mom gets over 50% of everything. Wow. And then the father gets to see the the kids five, five days a month. That's just the standard thing. What? And so, and so what I learned was, you know, like, right. So this is the controversial part or maybe controversial. Like today there's in American culture, there's a lot of talk about race and privilege. What I learned was what it's like to be on the other side of that. Yeah. What I learned was like how it was like, I knew life would be unfair and I didn't know how unfair it could be. And mm -hmm. And there was time, right? My lawyers would say, like, are you, you really want to spend like $25,000 in court for the, to roll the dice that you're going to have like a very small percentage of getting to seeing your son one or two more days a month? Like, mm -hmm. and it was, uh, yeah. So, so what I learned was life was unfair <laughs> and that mm -hmm. it could get really unfair. Later, in life, when I went through like some of my divorces, a good friend of mine told me that God doesn't do things against you. He does them for you. Mm. And what I, what I learned was that, that I, I learned something about myself. I learned that I can love unconditionally and I didn't know I had that in me. I learned that I can, right? Like the thing is like, when you don't know, you're going to see your kids the next day, <clears throat> you know, you don't know like what's going to happen. Like you just cherish every moment that you see them. <laughs> so I learned about myself that I had a level of uh, resiliency um, and fortitude and, um, you know, it's all worked out for the best, right? Like my son and I, we have a great relationship. We see each other. Like he, he, he lives with me and, well, he's in college now, so he doesn't live with me, but he's been living with me for a while and, um, it's been great. And, um, I learned, right. I just learned so much about myself that I, I, I could, make the impossible possible, right? Mm. And I've done software startups. I've started software startups before and trying to make the impossible possible, right? Just being an entrepreneur, you're familiar with that, Sarah, like uh, knowing that I could do that, something outside of my profession, I didn't know I could do that. So, right. I have a great relationship with my son. And, you know, if I did kind of the standard, typical, mediocre marriage for 15 years, Mm -hmm. If that would have turned out that way, you know, the, some, when I was doing a software startup, one of the investors said, you know, the best case scenario is you're successful right away. The next best case is that you got a business right away. The worst case is that you kind of meander in the middle for a very long period of time. And so I was very fortunate with my, my previous two marriages that it went south pretty quickly. I was only married for four years in each of those. And so, uh, I can so, really, yeah, that's yeah. an interesting way of looking at that. I Okay, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And I love what you said about the God doesn't do things um, against you. He does them for you. And I feel like if you hadn't had that experience, 
I feel like it made your faith probably stronger or maybe you relied on your faith more. I don't know. Yeah, I, certainly. Like a lot of people I've heard, I, I can't really relate to it, frankly, about like a lot of people, um, even before I was Muslim, we would get like angry at God for like so-and-so like this happened, like right, wrong or different. My kind of knee jerk emotional reaction is like, I did something wrong. What, what did I do wrong? Kind of, kind of the self blaming. And I would do a lot of self blaming at that time. Yeah. You know, it, and I'm, right. Like God is, is unseen. And, and part of the faith is, right. We can't, we can't know, like, it takes a level of, of faith. You can't know and right. you can only do your best. And I remember thinking to myself at one point, like, God, I've done everything I can. <laughs> like <clears throat> I've done my job. No, I want to see you do your job. <laughs> and um, uh, like, I was just so exasperated, like just legal battle after legal battle after legal battle. <laughs> and, um, and uh Taking kind of that, what I've learned is taking that leap of faith, falling off that proverbial cliff and just trusting in God. It's just a beautiful thing. You know, like we have this expression in, in Islam, like called, um, well, I was talking like a tuakul. Okay. So tuakul, yeah. it comes f- from this root, um, wakil, which means um, like W-K-L. Okay. So that means like to trust. Tuakul with the t- kind of the T sound in front. That means to like really trust, like really trust. One, in some, we have this idea of the, the 99 names of God. Um, one of the names of God is um, El-Wakil or like the trustworthy. So like part of our faith is what we're supposed to do is this like training of right, really trust in God, even though you don't know what's going to happen and let God take care of it. Like, you know, it's something as simple as like, just what you're talking about, like tithing, like, you don't know how you're going to get the money, but you're going to give that mm-hmm. money to like a good cause. And then it will, it's God's job to give that back to you. And right. so, so uh, there was a lot of uh, practice. <laughs> Wait, I want to say it right. Tuwakal. Tuwakal. Yes. You said that you were pretty close. Tuwakal. What is one recommendation that you can, or one piece of advice you would give people around faith, love, and failure? What would it be? Mm. Faith, love, and failure. Because really your story is a lot about love. Two main things come to mind. Okay. The path, the path of failure is littered with failure. The path to success is littered with failure. You cannot look at your present condition and know if you are and have confidence you're on the right path. That's one. Love it. Two, God loves you no matter what state you are in. Turning to God, like there's a, there's a, there's a, in, in the crown, there's like, if you don't think there are, sin, like you've committed sins that are so great that God is unable to forgive those, you've gone far astray. Like in, in, in Arabic, the, the name of Satan is called Iblis. Iblis means despair. Like God is hope. And so I would say like. Oh, I like that. F- f- find, find God. Know God. And you will, you will find love with him. Will you close us with a prayer again? I loved the prayer at the beginning. <laughs> I love um, I love hearing the Arabic. I think it's so badass. Sure, I'll I'll close it out and I'll give like a, a short um, translation and and, and uh, understanding. Let's say okay, okay, okay. Um, so, Audo rajim bismillah rahman rahim wellas inna insana lafi khus. Illadina Amanu Amlu Salihat, what was so Bill Hockby, what was so Bissabr. Amin. So, Audu Bilahe, when I started that, that means like I seek refuge um, from Satan the condemned. And then I said, Bismillah, Rahman, and Rahim, which means in the name of God, 
the most gracious, most merciful. And we say that a lot, and we say that before we recite scripture. Then the, the, the verses that I, it was actually an entire chapter, what I just recited in the Quran. Um, and it's called, uh, well, awesome means like by time. And actually in Arabic usually has double meanings. And it actually means like to squeeze. So like we're squeezed by time. So God is like, I swear by time. Well, I swear by time. Yeah. Verily man is in loss in chus, like a complete utter loss, like nothing left. I want you to listen to this, right? So, except for those who believe and do righteous deeds and those who engage with each other mutually in, uh, in truth and those who engage each other mutually in patience. So those who believe, do righteous deeds and engage with like your community, your family, your friends, others in truth and in patience. Um, those are the, those are the successful ones. So it's really interesting. Like beautiful. you've heard like in, like in Islam, like you've heard like on the news, you've maybe heard this term Kufar, which has been translated as like infidels or yeah. disbelievers. What it really means. Yeah. It means the ungrateful. Like it's the opposite. Like those oh. who believe are on one end of the spectrum, and then those who are ungrateful are on the other end of the spectrum. I think that I I hit both sides at different times. Uh, me too. You know, like, <laughs> I think that's I think that's part of the human experience. Human part of the human experience. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, my yep. experience with you tonight has been. Amazing. So, Sarah, I just want to applaud you for what you're doing and trying to help people like share their stories. Like uh, a friend of mine, the same friend of mine who said, um, God does things uh, for you, not against you, said, You can learn more from my failings than you can from my successes. And I applaud you for providing a space for people to be vulnerable, to share their failures to help others. So thank you. Wow. Thank you for showing up and sharing yours because I wouldn't have it if it weren't for people like you. So thank you, Mike. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod.